0: Well, welcome to this annual meeting Sunday, and as is our tradition, um, I'm going to give the address as your vicar, the state of Lakewood Anglican Mission. And I've entitled this morning's address for this year as the House of God. The House of God. And where I'm coming from when I say that is actually the Hebrews passage, um, which is printed there in your bulletin underneath the Has more honor than the house itself, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. That last line is where the title comes from. We are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. As we look at the history of Lakewood Anglican, we have to say that God has continually provided for us, time after time, as his house. When we met with Brian Upton, a uh, Lutheran church, Missouri Synod deacon and the head of Building Hope in the City, which you might have heard of, it's a community organization in Cleveland. We met with him to find a healthy place for a new church to meet in Lakewood way back in 2014 and we could not have foreseen all that God had in store for us. Brian Upton suggested Gethsemane Lutheran Church would be a great partner for us to have as we tried to launch this new Anglican Church. And Gethsemane has not only opened her doors to us, but has proved to be truly an embodiment of hospitality, seeking always to make our mission thrive. Sometimes I'm bowled over by it because it's it's almost as if they go out of their way to let us use this facility, always trying to help us grow. God has provided us with a beautiful and functional home beyond more than I could ever imagine, and I'm sure most of you back in those early days could imagine. You know, we have a nicer church building than many Anglican churches around the country, and we're just a mission Praise God and thanks to Gethsemane for that hospitality. And as we enter here into 2018, the state of Lakewood Anglican Mission is strong and dynamic. And our partnership with Gethsemane continues here in this place and I think will continue for many years. I'd like to uh, invite up Mr. John Bernath, uh, president of Gethsemane's congregation. Um, John is the head layperson of Gethsemane, and uh, we've been talking and dreaming about just what all we can do together. So John, with that, uh, would you address the folks?
1: I wouldn't say head leader, head lay leader. I no. Just one of several. No, no. Yes. Sorry, That's all right. <laughs> You probably will more than you want to very soon. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, You know, when Father Sean first invited me to speak to you, he said he would like for me to say briefly on things that pertain to our partnership. And I noticed in his message that he emphasized, maybe he didn't realize that he was emphasizing briefly. I think he knows me very well. I don't do anything briefly. (laughs) I'm very long-winded, in fact. So my apologies in advance if I, if I take this probably further than I should, but uh, in respect, I think it's well worth it. Um, again, my name is John Bernath. I am president of Gethsemane Evangelical Lutheran Church. Uh, I have that honor uh, more of just a, it was my time in the tub, so to speak, but uh, probably more importantly, I am also currently serving as an elder to our congregation It's my pleasure to be able to speak with you today. Uh, The concept, you know, I've done some research over the last couple years with one roof, multiple congregations, and I don't feel that the concept is a new one from what I've seen. Uh, In fact, it's probably becoming more prominent than most churches would like, um, particularly prominent in urban ministries. We're seeing this in what I like to call the first ring of suburban ministries, which would include us. Um, I also, from what I have seen, see typically that these ministries come out of necessity. Uh, Typically, you have an older congregation established that is diminishing membership, uh, finances may be diminishing, and they find a new, exciting new congregation to fill the gap, so to speak. Um, But most of the time, these dual ministries don't always accompany, uh, come with, I should say, a uh, a good partnership, it's more of, again, what would be a financial convenience. Um, I don't feel that this is the case with you folks, you good folks here at Lakewood Anglican. I think that by all rights for, and I don't know your history completely, but for a new congregation, you seem like a well-seasoned Proficient congregation Um, Whereas you almost don't need us to do what you do Um, Having said that that Was not the case for Gethsemane Lutheran Church almost 70 years ago. We were a fledgling congregation Uh, We are a group of small Slovak immigrants who decided that we would pool our time and talents And literally with our own hands build this church and finance it by mortgaging our houses to make it happen Uh, it's stood the test of time and our ministry has stood the test of time we want to share this with you and it is our pleasure to be able to do that without compromising who you are Um, It hasn't always been peaches and creams for us here over the 70 years we have had hard times. And there's been a couple of cases in particular that uh, were very trying, but we are slowly rising again with fists clenched, ready to get back in the fight. And the Lakewood Anglican Church's timing in this whole situation has almost been too perfect, too coincidental. Uh, I think that it is much more than just a partnership. I think it is the will of God that has allowed this to happen. Um, So I I would uh, have to say that no matter what, I I know that there will probably be times through our journey that might be frustrating. Uh, I don't think it will be one's problems arise that will be ones like other mutual congregations might have where they have more of a tenant-landlord type of relationship. That is not us. I see good things, and I'm very excited about this partnership. Um, You've already come to us multiple times with different events and things that that you do to take care of this sanctuary, possibly even where we failed to do that, and we wholeheartedly appreciate it. And thank you for it. Um, so I feel that this course that we're on is something bigger than the both of us. I believe this partnership is God's will. And together we can serve one another in love and share the message of God's saving grace together. Um, maybe not necessarily in a combined service, but by other means of uh, servicing service ministry, uh, outreach in particular. And... Maybe the fact that we're both so independent is is not necessarily a bad thing either. Uh, we can grow in each other's strengths and help the community and, and other folks with our strengths. So my apologies for carrying on too much. Uh, I guess I should close and say that our... Our worthy missions and God's commission to us is bigger than both of us and this building that we're serving him from. However, the statement doesn't lessen our responsibilities of sustainability for the spiritual benefit of the community. And it only takes our actions by his command. Uh, it, it makes it more imperative that, and give it true sustenance to our calls. So if it would be appropriate, uh, I'd like to take this time to say a, a prayer in closing. it. Okay. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship and praise you within this holy house. We thank you for the partnership between these two congregations and ask for your continual blessing upon us, not only to aid our attempts to sustain and further beautify this facility for your glory, but to strengthen us so that together we may be faithful stewards to serve others and glorify your name. Ever increase our faith in you and grow in our love toward one another please be with us and as a steadfast beacon in our hearts, whether individually or as a whole, we may boldly proclaim the good news of your gospel throughout this community and into the world. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities you've already given to us and the ones that you are preparing for us. We would humbly pray that by your spirit, you'd unite us in your grace, guidance, and wisdom going forward. Give us strength to endure any challenges our partnership might face and patience and love to know your will and plans for us. Finally, we humbly ask you give us courage, inspiration, and devotion to carry through the works that you desire for these congregations, that we may faithfully give all honor, praise, and glory to you. Graciously receive our prayer, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
0: So we've been, We're talking a little bit about the physical house, looking at the building, but also uh, I want to take the remainder of the time here to talk about the spiritual house that God is building in us. Um, we share in a heavenly calling. We're God's house if indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And God has built and provided incredibly. It's true that we've worked hard over the past few years. We've planned and dreamed and sometimes failed in the building of this spiritual house, but he's called us to this mission. And that mission generally is the mission of every congregation that's faithful to the Christian faith, to spread the good news of Jesus, that God created human beings in his own image that we fell into sin that has redeemed us and called us to love him and love one another. And beyond this, to make Jesus' name known in proclamation, to teach God's commandments, which you got a double dose of this morning, didn't you, in the liturgy and the first reading, to make disciples, to bring people into the kingdom through baptism, which we're going to be doing next week with Joseph being baptized and brought Formally into the fold here. But how particularly are we called to be on mission from God? This past year, Jesse Shedden uh, led our mission council in a process that created a vision statement. And I know that you've heard Carol speak on it, you've heard Ryan Hamm speak on it briefly, but I'd like to look at it with you this morning in more detail. Let me read it quickly for you. It's in the beginning of your bulletin, I believe, on the inside cover. Lakewood Anglican aspires to be a hope-filled community, to spread, I'm sorry, to be a hope-filled community that welcomes all, to join in the worship of God and the reconciliation of all people to God, to city, and to one another. We invite you to seek Jesus with us through the teaching of God's word, the beauty of the Anglican liturgy, and the breaking of the bread. I think that we have some challenges as we want to be a hope-filled community. God's clearly called us to be those things that we have in the mission statement, but why is it that we say we aspire to be a hope-filled community? Well, because, number one, we have every reason for hope don't we? Our world is, in, and is ever in a dark chaos looking for meaning. And much of the American church has lost her way, falling off the rails either on one side into political morass and culture war or on the other side being co-opted by the culture, so much so that it's rendered indistinguishable from it. All around we see the decline and fall of once strong institutions, denominations, congregations. In the midst of this, God has smiled on our new congregation and given us a clarity, a growth, and prosperity. We have every reason to be hope-filled, friends, because despite our growth, God is calling us to hold fast in confidence, What does it mean, though, to hold fast in confidence and boast in our hope? As that Hebrews passage said, how do we, how are we holding fast as a community? How are you holding fast as an individual person or family or congregation in this congregation? Do we talk about our faith in our community? Do we see this congregation as the gift that it is? Do we see the individuals in it for the gifts that they are? Do we boast in what God has wrought here? It might seem uncouth, but we should boast. Why? Because God has formed us into a community and we have every reason to boast if we're boasting in him. So what's the first challenge? To be hope-filled is the first challenge. Being hope-filled doesn't mean superficially being happy, but rather it means being convinced that God is at work and in control. And that's hard to hang on to in our world. Often, if we're not hope-filled, it's because we've lost sight of Jesus, just as Peter loses sight of Jesus when he calls him out in Matthew chapter 14 to walk on the water. You remember this story. Peter takes his eyes off the Lord and starts looking at the waves and then falling beneath them. The challenge to be hope-filled, we aspire to that. Secondly, a challenge is to be a community, not just a -a once-a-week meeting of individuals. And there's something very different between those two. You know, lots of us can come together and just worship using the same forms, but that's just individual worship together. That's not community. What does it mean to be community? Well, there's obstacles to community, aren't there? Geography, workaholism, overscheduling, illness, lack of planning, or just plain indifference and exhaustion. Some of these challenges can be overcome, and some are not under our control. But how can we be more intentional about the ones that are in our control? How can we get to a better level of community here at Lakewood Anglican? You will only get the level of community that you're willing to invest. That is a truth. And interestingly, being in community is actually part of what makes us hope-filled as individuals. What habits do you have that might hurt this community? And it's not all on you either. How can we plan groups and ministries better to make community more possible here at Lakewood Anglican? Meetings aren't always the answer, right? We've got plenty of things to do. How can we be better about bringing people into community and ministry? Point number two, we want to be a people who reconcile. What does it mean to to be reconciliation? The Greek word is katalaso. It means a lot of things, but for Christians, it means something very specific. To change thoroughly, to remove enmity. To change thoroughly, to remove enmity, is to be reconciled. It's a transformation of the heart, and it starts with our relationship with God, and then moves out into our community as a body, and the wider community 2 Corinthians 5.11, St. Paul writes to the Corinthian church talking about being reconcilers or being part of reconciliation. Uh, uh, Chapter 5, verse 18, he writes, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation of reconciliation, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. The first thing that we note here, if we look at reconciliation as the Bible shapes it, is that you can't be a reconciler. And neither can I. You and I are not reconcilers. There's only one reconciler, because only one has the power to do it. Jesus Christ. And whenever we can reconcile with other people or help them reconcile, whenever we try to do that, we're doing that in the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can change and remove enmity because only Jesus can change the heart. And in order to be part of reconciliation, we have to be transformed thoroughly to do that. It's not something we can learn to do. The second thing to note here is that the way to help ourselves, the only way to help ourselves or other people reconcile, is to partake of the reconciler and his mission. You've heard the phrase, charity starts at home, haven't you? What's that phrase mean? It means if you can't take care of your own household and your own family, you ought not to be trying to take care of anybody else. I suggest that the same goes for reconciliation. The minute that we think that we are the special ones sent out to be people of peace or happiness or to abolish injustice, we're off track. We're not saviors. He is the savior. We are agents of him, but that's it. The two are really different. We want to welcome all to join in our work of worship and participate in God's gift of reconciliation. Both the worship of God, participating in reconciliation, are work, but they're not work that we begin. They're work that we're called into. Conveying the richness of God and in turn giving him true worship isn't easy, is it? It involves great planning and care. Our Sunday worship arises out of our personal and familial devotion. We need to ask, what is the state of my devotion? What is the state of my prayer life? What is the state of my personal worship and my family's worship? The great thing about Anglican worship is that it can't be done properly outside a community. Try saying the liturgies yourself. It can be helpful. It can teach you things, but it's not really worship. Do you know that Anglican priests are forbidden to say Holy Communion by themselves, which is a big difference between us and Roman Catholics. Why is that? Because you can't have communion with God without communion with His people, the two go together. And the same can be said of reconciliation. It's with great enthusiasm that this congregation wants to be involved in our surrounding city and community to help bring about reconciliation to various peoples in the city, to help proclaim Jesus Indeed, It's highly commendable that we want to do this. But it starts with, where's my reconciliation with God? Where's the, what's the state of my reconciliation with God? Do I see who I am clearly in Jesus Christ first and foremost? I can't help others if I don't. How about the state of my reconciliation with my family or with my church family, with the people of God? You might ask yourself, do I hold enmity towards anyone? We can only participate in reconciling by bringing others to the reality of Jesus because only he can change hearts. And how can we do this better at Lakewood Anglican? How can we better be ambassadors being formed better so that we can go out into the world with clarity and purpose, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Point number three, we want to be an inviting people. Sometimes the simple Sunday school songs are best. As the old children's one goes, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We say that we aspire to be an inviting people. We want to invite people to learn about Jesus through word of God and the sacrament, the breaking of the bread. How are we aspiring to this as a congregation? In my opinion, Lakewood Anglican is the best kept secret in the Cleveland area. You're a genuine people. You're a devoted people. You're a doing and a giving people. You are a people that seek to learn and grow in your love of God and of each other. But how is it that more people don't know about us? We advertise. We're present at events like Light Up Lakewood. According to the 2016 figures, there are some 50,000 people living in Lakewood alone. And that doesn't count the surrounding communities. And it puzzles me that except that perhaps you're not confident or you're quietly thoughtful about your faith, why we don't have more people here because of our personal connections. Or perhaps you just aren't confident in what you believe or why you attend here. Or maybe you just don't know how to share your faith experiences. I suggest to you it's not hard, it's easy. It's just talking about another part of your life. If we really aspire to be a people that invite, Maybe we need to learn how to invite. I know, duh, right? If you want to be, aspire to be inviting, maybe you learn how to invite. But you can't just put that on a mission statement and then not do it. Allow me to suggest something. Let's start by inviting the people that come through our doors. Here, on Sunday, there's been at least seven new people through our doors in 2017, that have filled out communication cards. Some have stayed, some have not. I've noticed that when we don't go, I've noticed that we don't go out of our way to welcome and converse with visitors. And this is to the shame of all of us. Do you realize that God is bringing people right through our doors here to this congregation? And do you realize how many churches in the United States would kill to have that? People walking in the door I've been at churches where no one's walked in the door for years and yet it happens here the people come hungering for something maybe it's Jesus maybe it's to have someone to listen maybe it's to be part of something I know that you're good and loving people but visitors don't know that until they come to know you I've got a challenge for you a simple takeaway Learn to conduct small talk. And maybe this is aimed more towards our millennials. Learn to conduct small talk. There's nothing wrong with talking about the weather. There's nothing wrong with talking about someone's job, their family, their recreational activities, the fact that you're part of Lakewood or whatever community you're part of. That's not wrong. Ask non-threatening questions. And if we're listening, you'll see the Holy Spirit open up ways for us to connect with people. If you really want to be an inviting people, you need to learn to invite. You need to learn to invite, not just to the location, but into the community, into part being part of us. It's never gonna happen if we don't intentionally do it. You know, we get those cards made up for Christmas and Easter. Those are tools but friends, they're not worth the paper they're printed on if I send them to your house and you put them on your refrigerator and don't try to talk to people about them. Those are ways that you can say, hey, you know, maybe you want to come to one of the Holy Week services. Maybe you want to come see what we're all about. Here, take this. It's to help you. But do we make use of those tools? We'll be getting the cards again this Easter. I challenge you, learn to invite Learn to make small talk. Learn to go out of your way for the gospel. It's a small risk, but yields a huge return because there's nothing more important than people's souls. I see three things, these three things, as our chief spiritual challenges this year. We have pretty good structures. We've got pretty good systems. Our Sunday worship is inspiring and beautifully uses the gifts God's given us. We continue to offer quality classes, teach studies that teach the word of God, that get people digging into the Bible. We give and serve local needs in our community with what resources we have. Our administration is getting better. We need to focus, though, on the people of Lakewood Anglican rather than on the tasks of being a church. The way to do this is invitation, mentoring, and discipleship. And I'm convinced that God will take us to the next step if we're obedient in that. I can't describe how much I enjoy being your pastor and priest. And I know that all pastors say that, but I can say that with sincerity of heart. I really enjoy being here at Lakewood Anglican. You are a blessing to Leah and me. You inspire us with your devotion to God's kingdom. You surprise us with your generosity. You always step up as God's people. Give glory to God and celebrate the highlights of 2017. But look at the challenges. Look at the aspirations. See where we're to be in 2018 and going forward. And pray and plan for the future. I know it's a bright future. And I'm happy to share it with you. I think you'll be greatly surprised as much as I've been. To God be the glory. Amen.